episode of Saying the Tone, and ER Retrospective, the show where we do a chronological breakdown of every episode of our favorite TV medical drama. My name is Elizabeth, and with me today, as always, are Lauren. Hello. And Daniel. Hey. Today we're discussing Season 7, Episode 8. Oh, excuse me. Today we're discussing Season... <laughs> Today we'll be discussing Season 8, Episode 7, which is titled If I Should Fall from Grace. The episode aired on November 8th, 2001. Lauren, what was going that week 22 years ago? At the 53rd Annual Emmy Awards, The West Wing and The Sopranos clean up once again, while ER is again passed over in the Outstanding Drama Series category. James Cromwell was nominated, not also nominated in the Best Guest Star, which mm. I approve. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's fair. Uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks win the 2001 World Series, defeating the New York Yankees four games to three. Co-MVP awards went to Arizona pitchers Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. Daniel, didn't you say this one was really weird? Um, it's just a very, you know, it's a very sensitive time for the country. And, uh, you know, the, the nation as a whole is kind of uh, behind the Yankees here. Um, you know, of course, very famously, W comes out before game one and... Uh, or no, was it game one? No, it was game uh, game three. It was the first game in New York. Um, he comes out and uh, throws out the first pitch and throws like a perfect dip right down the middle strike. And so it's it's just like very – and it's, it is a legitimately like uh, goosebumps type moment, like even watching it back now with all of, you know, 20 year, plus years of hindsight of all the shitty things that W is responsible for. It's still a legitimately like really cool moment. Um, and like – Every single game, especially the ones in New York, every single game has something insanely memorable about it. Like two nights in a row, it ended on a walk off. Um, you know, there's there's just so much uh, tied up in it. And then, of course, game seven, the the game that that wins it um, is just an incredible game from beginning to end. Like and the 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 two headed monster of Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling winning the co MVP was like totally deserved. Like. Randy Johnson started game six and then came into game seven in relief uh, after Kurt Schilling had pitched, I think, eight shutout innings. Jeez. Um, yeah. And uh, and then they ended up actually – so the, the Yankees take the lead very late in the game on an Alfonso Soriano home run. And then – There's a name I haven't heard in a while. <laughs> yeah. And he was like – that was when he was a rookie. Oh, uh, he hits a home run to give the Yankees like a, I think a one nothing lead, and then of course Mariano Rivera, who was like untouchable, he was the greatest, is the greatest closer of all time, comes in to close the game, and little by little it just kind of chips away, and then eventually there's a, a little little bloop base hit over the infield that knocks in the winning run, and uh, the Diamondbacks win. So it's it's like it's it's, it's also sentimental for me because it's like one of the first World Series I really remember paying attention to. So mm. like it's it like I feel like I have this entire series memorized. I just went back and watched all seven games uh, over the summer this past year, cool. and it was just a delight from beginning to end. Uh, the eagerly anticipated film adaptation of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone makes its red carpet debut in London, England. The first of eight films covering the seven book series introduced the world to child stars Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint, and also starred established names such as Alan Rickman and Richard Harris. Still, I think the only franchise that truly earned a two part finale. finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't yeah. be mad about that. Seven and eight. Or, yeah, at least that follows books. Yeah, no, yeah. those are both well done. How do how do you feel, Lauren, as a um, as a you know Harry Potter fan? Yeah, as a closeted Harry Potter fan. How uh, do you? We, we all know. Come on. 
how do you feel about the first two movies? Since those are sort of like everybody always yes ands the uh, Harry Potter movies are like yeah they're great except for the first two movies. You know, I I like them. Yeah. I found I was peak age for this. I was nine years old when this came out. Um, I was full in to Harry Potter by this point. Like my mom mm-hmm. had read me the first book, second, second, maybe third at this point. I think I think we were at least two books in. Maybe the third had just released by now. Yeah. I don't remember. It was all a blur in my childhood. But like I was, I was into it. I had the Harry Potter glasses and everything. So like part of it for me is probably nostalgia talking about the first two movies. Mm-hmm. But I I really like them. I think they did a great job as a visual like starting off point for the world. And so much of what they did stylistically in those first two movies carries over to how the rest of the wizarding world is portrayed. Yeah. So I, I'm here for it. Of course, they're a little more juvenile because the kids are 11 and 12. Right. Yeah. They're so kids like movies. It, 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 t- it is one of the, the few series of movies I think that like grows up with its yeah. audience. It, well, oh. it's audience and its characters. Yeah. hundred percent. And so I, I really like them. They still hold a nice, warm, fuzzy spot in my heart. I'm still devastated that Richard Harris passed after movie mm. two because he, his performance through like movie six would have been absolutely, it would have just been so great to see him do the whole thing. Yeah. So I'm, no, I like them though. I'm, they're good. Fair enough. We, we will gladly talk about the later ones. If we continue <laughs> to go through ER, I will own up to liking Harry Potter and sharing my quote-unquote expertise. Anyway, something everyone loves. Jesus Christ. Okay, over in the USA box office, though, Monsters, Inc. Yes, the Pixar animated comedy starring Billy Crystal and John Goodman debuts and takes the number one spot with ease. Top five Pixar movies. Another movie I was absolutely just enamored with as a child. Same. We need... Nope, not even gonna say it. Jake is is sitting there with his headphones on like hands shaking over a a, a (laughs) post-it note didn't finish the sentence doesn't count (laughs) (laughs) and then last but not least Family Affair by Mary J. Blige takes over the top spot on the music charts Daniel what else was on at 8 p.m., friends with the episode The One with the Stain. That's ominous. Uh, at 8.30, Will and Grace with a rerun uh, because Inside Schwartz is dead in a ditch. Uh, at 9 p.m., uh, Will and Grace again, this time with a new episode, Bed, Bath, and Beyond. Uh, probably not about the department store, I would imagine. Uh, and at 9.30, Just Shoot Me with the episode Finch Chasing Amy. This week's episode had 26.8 million viewers tuning in, directed by our very own Laura motherfucking Inez. That's uh, why I like that doing, so doing her fourth out of 12 as a director. Uh, previous one of hers from last season was Sailing Away. And uh, written by R. Scott Gemmel, doing his 10th out of 32 as a writer. Uh, and his previous one from this season was Blood Sugar Sex Magic. And uh, as you might imagine, no Weaver uh, and no Chen this week, continuing the uh, Ming-Na Wen sabbatical. Yep. Uh, okay, so this episode, y'all. Like, I know we've done content warnings for suicide stuff and self-harm stuff. But Jesus Christ, this episode, y'all. <laughs> This, ep- this episode is that Lisa Simpson meme where she's like looking down at the plate. Like th- this is <laughs> this like, is that episode where it's like, what the fuck? Like it's really well done, but there is footage of a suicide attempt and there is, we will talk in depth about 
suicide and there is a self-harm patient as well. So again, if that's not your thing, Lauren is so confused right now. Guys, it's been such a week. I don't remember the suicide attempt at all. The guy, I'm gonna, wait, the... hold on. No, no. Oh, yep. I was like, I was going to yell when we got to it. And I was like, oh, yeah. Nope, you're right. 100%. That did happen. Yeah. Holy shit. So maybe skip over this week if you're sensitive to those issues. And we will happily see you next week for one of my favorite episodes in the entire series. Uh, but for now, one of my favorite characters in the entire series shows up. I forgot he shows up. For some reason, I thought his debut was next week. I don't know why, but I always get it. I always get when he comes in confused. But he's here now. Uh, hello, one Michael Gallant. Let's listen in. <clears throat> Sign in. Uh, actually, where the hell are our t sheets? Actually, I'm a new med student. Congratulations. You said that yesterday. Check in with the docs. Okay, thanks. Uh, do you guys have a lost and found box? Somebody stole it. <clears throat> Excuse me, ma'am. Are you Dr. Carter by any chance? Lewis, I don't think he's in yet, and I'm not old enough to be a ma'am. Sorry about that. I'm supposed to meet him here around 8. Mm, you're dead early. Yeah, it's my first day. I guess I was a little excited. You'll get over it. Is it just a rule that whenever you whenever you introduce a new character, a new main character, mm -hmm. that their first interaction with the ER has to be a really rude nurse? <laughs> Uh, I mean, you know, I, I don't like know if that happens a lot. I don't know if I'd classify her as rude. There, maybe dismissive, but she harassed. Yeah, I I love her read of just like somebody stole it. <laughs> She's talking about the lost and found box. Oh, hello. Oh, hello. But who plays Gallant? Yes, uh, Michael Tiberius Gallant joining oh, us this week. Sorry, Tiberius. <laughs> uh. <laughs> He is, of course, played by actor Sharif Atkins, who uh, appears in stuff like The Open House, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The 4400, and he is making his first of 60 appearances through 2006, and I lovingly referred to him last week when we talked about uh, him joining the cast this week as the Bodie McBoatface of ER, and that is strictly because... I don't like the name Gallant or I, I don't, I think the name Gallant is too fucking on the nose. Like yep. it's, it feels like they wrote the outline with the uh, idea of what they wanted the character to be. And then we're just like, this sounds like a name. Let's just tweak the pronunciation a little bit and it'll be fine. No one will notice. But for, but for his last episode, yeah, it I, makes I know. For such a good episode title. Again, it one. feels like they wrote it in reverse. Like it feels like they thought of that first, and then we're like, let's make an entire character uh, around okay, this. Okay, we're pun. gonna do this to him in season thirteen, whatever. twelve, thirteen, whatever. Yeah. So it's just like because obviously, you know, as as you know, as the listener, you you know that that Gallant is like the he's the goody two shoes baby. Like he is the the rule the, the nauseatingly moral honor culture, you know, forward rule follower. Like that is his yeah. whole thing is that he is good boy. And it's to Pratt's that's, bad boy. That's fine. Like I'm not I'm not mad about it. Like you can do you can have that character, but just please for the love of God, don't name him good boy. Right. Don't name him the fancy English word for good boy. And as somebody pointed out, which never bothered me before now, but as somebody in the Discord pointed out, we have the same, uh, same not quite as bad problem, but same almost as bad problem later in the season with Pratt. Like, <laughs> they yeah, do it again yeah. with Pratt later yeah, in the season, yeah. and it's just like, Ugh, I never is... thought of that. Yep. That never bothered me until somebody pointed it out, but the Gallant thing has bothered me almost since 
I watched and I saw him appear for the first time, not knowing and almost nothing about has. the character. I do like his small appearance in Guardians of the Galaxy, though. I don't even remember it. Go I do, figure. but I do like him as a character. I like the, um, I I don't love what becomes of his character, but I do love kind. Of, I, I do like the the angle that they go for with him, um, and I sort of like him as you know a, a another flavor and another version of telling the Carter story again. Like we get to do the Carter thing all over again, but with a a slightly different twist on it. And so, yeah, I, I'm I'm very excited to see Galant. Very excited to dig into some of his stuff. He's part of the Nova Corps. In I'll, I'll say Gar- this right Guardians now. I'm saying it on record now so my mind can be changed when we get to the end of his character. He's fine. We'll oh. see if I flip on that later, but All right. so we've, fine. we've run the gamut. So I love him. You're meh, and Daniel doesn't like him. No, no Daniel no, no. said he likes him. Oh, okay. He doesn't like the name. I don't like the name. The name is I'm, literally the only thing about him that I don't like. I'm the only one who has to be convinced in a few seasons. Okay. Yeah. What, just ignore, uh, his, just ignore just, most of his stuff with Neela, and we're fine. Just out of curiosity, Lauren, is your opinion of your current opinion of him, is that from the little that you remember from watching the first time around? <laughs> or, or is it from your watch of this episode and immediate reaction oh it's from the five percent it, it's a mix it's a five percent memory of like what we watched six years ago seven mm-hmm. years ago at this point a lot it was ago. a while yeah it <laughs> was like four time. apartments ago um and like no this episode he's likable but just in general my memory of him is i found him whelming mm. like just i yeah i just I don't know. We'll and I, see, I but... also posed in our group chat. I also posed the. I the, like your other theory. The theory that because our, it's a running joke in our group chat that Jake dislikes every precocious, uh, uh, moody teenage male character in any show ever made. Like get you put it, you sit him down in front of a show, and if there's like a rebellious teen boy character who's like kind of a dick. Guaranteed, Jake will hate him Straight because, to jail. because he reminds him of his younger self. And I feel like there might be a little bit of that happening with Gallant here, where our, the STT's little rule follower uh, is uh, reminded a little bit too much of herself and doesn't like it. I don't freaking give a heck. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see how our listeners feel about that theory. I, I leave it to you guys. Yeah, Let we'll, us know. We'll, just, you think this we'll might see be how it, it, how it uh, evolves over time. It's the beginning of a wonderful ride. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but we see uh, our first patient, Mr. Hopper, Susan's uh, first patient. He sounds depressed based on uh, her ass- the information he's giving her uh, in his assessment. Uh, he says that he got bit by a girl at a bar and thinks she was a vampire. And this is a <laughs> bizarre little uh, way to begin the episode. I love when Susan goes, no, that's a hickey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's... Um, this guy here is uh, played by one of uh, a very distinctive looking, oh, hey, it's that guy, at least for mm-hmm. me. Like, I recognized him right away. He specializes in playing, like, creepy dudes. Uh, he is played by actor Brent Hinckley, who appears in stuff like Silence of the Lambs, Ed Wood, and the TV series that uh, I, Jake, and soon-to-be Lauren are all re-watching. Uh, <sighs> and you should be, too. Uh, the X-Files. Uh, the first six seasons of which are unimpeachable. The last Daniel, three, let's not talk about it. I am a third of the way through season seven of Frasier. I will be watching X Files soon. It's like I'm I get it, there. It's like I said the other night. Uh, X Files or uh, Frasier can't love you like X Files can. Mm. Uh, <laughs> come to the dark side. Come to Butthead. 
but we go from there to Gallant looking for Carter still, uh, this time running in with Dr. Green. He's do doing the usual new character thing where we have to, like, touch base with all the, uh, the standbys. Also, why did I put Dr. Green instead of Mark? That's just weird in the notes. Sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, he's, just... you know... <laughs> It's it's formal. He's intru being introduced to everybody. Uh, Lizzie is mad at Luca that he canceled a surgical consult once she was the one who came down to uh, receive it, thinking that it's because, you know, he knows about the whole killing patients thing and is, you know, Oopsie. not that interested in having her do the surgical consult. Uh, but... Uh, she, the patient is a 22-year-old male with right-side tenderness, and uh, I believe, is it Lizzie who it's says it? Lizzie, yeah. yeah. Says, says to Luca, well, when it bursts, you can operate on him. And uh, Mark tries to chase Lizzie down to uh, see what's going on. Uh, continuing the rounds, Gallant meets Abby, asks her to uh, point him in Carter's direction, and Frank is sad because there's no donuts in the lounge. Honestly, I, that was just such a cute moment that I just like had to get Frank being Frank. Yeah, honestly, I mood. Mean, wouldn't you also be sad that there's no donuts in the lounge? Absolutely. Uh, Abby tells donuts. Abby tells Susan that her patient actually does drink people's blood. We see him crouched over sipping out of a blood bag in the trauma room which is just one of the most for some Iconic. reason to me it's one of the most memorable images in all of this entire show yeah. what, what is just him just smiling there with sipping well on the blood. best part is the way his suit jacket is too it yeah. looks like a vampire cape yeah it looks yeah. like a vampire it's 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 perfect it's, it's absolutely so good. perfect what is what is the character's name is it count frank or something or count it, it, yeah. it, it's something like that and like i just love the deadpan like completely serious way that abby says like, she's like oh yeah count dave or like count frank like yeah. he's he, he's a vampire yeah. he drinks blood you, you you have to know this you need you need a nurse with him uh, so yeah that brings us right into the intro in with bangs and uh of course gallant getting the uh carrie weaver slash uh Robert Romano treatment, not quite in the credits just yet. Got to pass that trial period before they uh, add you to the main cast. Yeah. Let's go into our next audio clip here. Uh, Gamma is arguing with her driver. But I volunteered to drive to the Royal Botanical Gardens fundraiser. I'm sorry, but there's just not much I can do about it. You can stop lying to me. Good morning. I'm Dr. Carter. Did I miss something? Yes, breakfast. Your grandmother's upset because the Jaguar is being serviced. For a week. What's wrong with it? Yes, Aljo, what's wrong with it? They're waiting for a part. What part? The ignition coil. Liar. He's holding me hostage. What's the matter with the town car? I don't drive the town car. Well, you shouldn't be driving anyway. That's why we have Alger. Having a driver was your grandfather's idea. Now that he's gone, it seems an unnecessary expense. He's just trying to look out for me again. I'm a big girl, John. I don't need a chaperone. Oh, John, are you still planning to come with me to... Camera? Gamma? It's a great thud. Mm-hmm. First off, I love Gamma. I'm just gonna say it. I love Gamma. Mm -hmm. She's so good. Just liar. <laughs> Feisty. Mm-hmm. I aspire to be Gamma one day. I'm we still. Should all, I, I'm we should all have her means and be able to live like her. No, just be gam like yeah. the the attitude. What Daniel? I'm just still shocked. Like I was watching this episode for notes the other day, and like I was, I pointed out to Jenna. I was like, "Can you believe that? Of like of all the people on this show, like that we have come and gone over the years, and we point out and do thing. Like of all the people on this show that are like long dead, 
that are like years, decades younger than her. Gamma still kicking. Like yes. 2023. Gamma just riding strong. And Knock it's on just, wood. Whew. Oh, but yeah, I I just love how how the driver's just like, nope, mm-mm. Not, not, you can't drive. Car's not working. Yeah. Even um, after this episode, it's going to come up, at least uh, in a big way next episode. Mm. Uh, but then Gallant asks Abby to sneak him some minor triage cases because he's bored, still waiting for Carter. She's like, nope, not happening. Uh, we we also learn Nicole is learning to be a nurse's aide now. I hate this woman. God. I don't hate her yet. Uh, yeah, I, I, hate, I really do. I like, hate, I, there's certain I, things about the the story that I know are coming, yeah. but on the on the whole, I still don't remember why it is she's so universally hated. Yeah, no, like this this right now, this is Lucas' fault. This has nothing well, to do with Nicole. You'll find out next week. Yeah, I understand why everyone hates her. I understand that, but right now in this moment, I do not hate Nicole. I understand that she's annoying. I understand why Abby would be annoyed with her, but this is Lucas' fucking fault. Yep. Nicole's yeah. just, right now. We all we know is Nicole's just trying to get by. Yeah. Uh, so our first trauma patient here is a man in an, an accident. His name is Jeremy. I uh, wasn't wearing a helmet. Was he on a motorcycle? Do we establish? I couldn't I, tell. No, uh, I think he's uh, he's a skateboarder. Skateboarder. I he, skateboarder. he got hit oh, by yeah. a. Oh car. yeah. It's this. Okay. Yeah. It's the yeah kid was on a skateboard and wasn't didn't have a helmet. Wasn't having any seizures or anything. Uh, Luca asked Abby to teach Nicole how to take a pulse. During a trauma. Now, yeah, now is not the time, my dude. Yeah. In a more appropriate fashion, Gallant asks to watch. He understands the situation here. And they tell him no. They have they have yeah. Nicole stay in the trauma, but they kick the med student out. Yeah. And Lauren? Whose films are those? Uh, Nicole can't get her gloves on, and the... Actually, no, he does stick around at least for he a He sticks bit around anyway, but yeah. they tell him go do something else. Yeah, and it turns out the... Michael uh, correctly identifies that the, that the kid has a tension pneumothorax. And who plays our uh, victim here? Yeah, so our victim, who we never really do anything with, at least uh, consciously. Like, we never talk to Jeremy, but we will, of course, be referring to him throughout the episode. Um, this episode has a lot of, like, at least semi-notable, uh, uh, oh, hey, it's that people. Uh, this one uh, is uh, no exception. Uh, Joseph Ashton is the actor, and he appeared in stuff like L.A. Doctors, The Education of Little Tree, and was the voice of uh, Otto Rocket on Rocket Power, which is a uh, Nicktoon that I like just barely missed out on. Like I remember, it, I remember it being a thing as I was aging out of the Nicktoon era, and uh, but it was one of those things that like I had younger cousins who were into it, and I'm sure Lauren, yeah. those micro generational differences, you know, like. For, for people who are, like, a couple years younger than Lizzie and I, they probably have very fond memories of. And I just thought it was funny that he was the voice of Auto Rocket and Rocket Power, which was a show based around, like, skateboarding and extreme sports. And yeah, oh, yeah, Jesus, and, and 100%. He's, and he's playing a skateboarder. In this I just thought that was funny. Good, good irony. Um, then we see Carter checking on Gamma in the ER as she's getting settled. And <laughs> Gamma goes, in my day, it was quite acceptable for a lady to swoon, which I absolutely loved. Uh, as, as she's starting to sit up to try and like point out that she's fine, she faints again the minute she does this and Susan and Carter step out into the hall to talk about what might be going on with her. 
And then we go back to Gallant asking Cleo if he can intubate on this trauma. She's like, no, maybe next time. That's a bit, that's a bit eager for a med student there. He's just a little eager beaver. But uh, Benton comes down to assist and Luca has Nicole bagging Jeremy. But we find out Jeremy's bleeding somewhere. They don't know where yet. And uh, Gallant is still chipping in and observing and stuff. And Benton says, why don't you go and find something to do, all right? Uh, Great. Cool. I guess, Way to go, Benton. I guess Benton already forgot about his little uh, crusade to get more black uh, med students. <laughs> no, he was going to get them in. He just didn't care what happened afterwards. I guess so, yeah. Once they're in the door, it, once they're in the door, they just become an obstacle in his way. Exactly. Uh, outside the trauma room, Abby asks Luca what he's doing with Nicole. And very rightly, she says this morning she was learning to take a BP and now she's in a trauma. She's training to be an aide, not a nurse. Which, yeah, she has no business in that room. Mm-mm. She can help you with triage. Like, but... If you, if you need a vitals check on someone who hasn't had one in a while, sure, go for her. She's great. But yeah, Abby calls out Luca that it's very inappropriate for Nicole to be in there. As it is. Then we see paging uh, Jake Terrell Esquire. Uh, Benton is being served with papers because he's being subpoenaed for custody by Roger. Mm. It begins. It begins. Uh, we, uh, then see the security guard from the mall, I think, that, uh, the kid was, uh, skating around at. Yeah. Uh, Jeremy was skating around at. The security guard from the mall asks, uh, comes in and asks if Jeremy's gonna be okay. He was the one that called 911 after he was hit. And our guard here, Mr. Hilliker, he is played by actor Louis, uh, Jambalvo. Jambalvo? Uh, he appears in stuff like Airplane 2, Real Genius, and See No Evil, Hear No Evil, and, uh, he has 103 credits to his name. And I just want to point something out real quick. With the subpoena, um, I think it was specifically for the DNA test to kind of help prove parentage or not. Sure, yes. I think I think that might have been what it was for specifically. Yes, that was the specific but thing. You're right. I just hadn't written that down, so I was like, is that what it was? Yeah. But carry on. And then we see Abby talking to two nuns. Uh, <laughs> sure. Uh, one needs a dressing changed and she wants Carter to do it like he usually does. You know, Carter, his usual thing with nuns that's well established. Uh, that is apparently very well established because all the nurses seem to know about it. Uh, Chuni, uh, or, uh, Hale and Chuni are at the, uh, nurse's station. They say, what is it with you and nuns, Carter? It's almost kinky. I love how Chuni says that. Yeah. Uh, our two nuns here, the first of the two, uh, the, the one who's actually getting treated, Helen, uh, she is played by actress Sandy Martin, who appears in stuff like Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. A great, but very upsetting movie. Uh, Napoleon Dynamite, and It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. And she is our high watermark actress for this episode. 140 credits to her name. Uh, and the uh, younger of the two nuns, Monica, she is played by actor or actress rather Eleanor Comegis. Ke- Sure. Uh, she appeared in stuff like the series uh, The Pretender, Murder, She Wrote, and uh, the only really re- only real reason I grabbed her is because apparently she's going to be joining us again in season nine uh, as the same character. So look out for that, I guess. Uh, but for now, uh, we see Frank begging the nurses to take care of Tequila Willie, which is just 
a tier a tier uh homeless person nickname uh and uh turns out it's abby's turn to take care of him because chuni and Halei both have had recent turns on him and she tries he needs to, a bath yeah she goes to pass it off onto nicole it's like hey i'm gonna teach you how to bathe, bathe a homeless person uh, let's go up to the surgical floor, though, We're for our next audio clip here. Uh, Corday is yelling at Romano that Dale, God damn it, Dale. Fucking Dale. Is doing her whipple. Robert. Robert. I was scrubbing him when I discovered Dale's doing my whipple. Yeah, he's an arrogant ass, but he's becoming a decent surgeon. I thought I was back on service today. No, not yet. Why not? I've complied with every insulting, demeaning request. I've I even know. volunteered for a damn lie detector test. I know, but we say. have to wait for the CDC to finish with their bug hunt. The good news is the criminal investigation is essentially over. They couldn't find anything. So what does that mean? We think you're killing your patients. We just can't prove it. If it makes you feel any better, I don't think this has anything to do with you. Then why am I not in surgery? I'm sorry. I know this is frustrating, Elizabeth, but what choices either one of us have? Take the opportunity to get caught up with your dictation. Spend some time with your baby. Enjoy the downtime. What are you doing? Excuse me? That's my patient. I'm drawing some blood. No, you were injecting something into her central line. I couldn't get a draw. It was clogged. What did you inject into my patient? I didn't. Don't lie to me. I saw you. Is there a problem here? No, I was yes. just... She was injecting my patient. With urokinase to bust the clot in her line. Let me see it. Where's the vial? Elizabeth. me just a normal one yeah she's been under a little stress lately um i do want to point out when she pulls that vial out of the uh like waste bin mm -hmm. it's still got plenty in there am i correct that they normally wouldn't throw out a like two-thirds full vial like yeah that wouldn't, wouldn't normally go in there i wouldn't see why not yeah i hope somebody got fired for that blunder. <laughs> not kit no not kit we love Kit. She's doing her job. Love She's like, what the fuck? No. Yeah. It got to Said, I don't know. Corday should be mad at Dale. Yeah. Just sabotage just, Dale. Just because Dale. Because everyone hates Dale. Yep. Even Romano hates Dale. Well, Romano hates most people, but still. But I do like here how Romano, like, is almost sincerely saying, like, yeah, this sucks. Go hang out with your kid. Catch up on paperwork. Like, he's not being an absolute ass about this. His hands are tied and he's just trying to you know, respect Lizzie and make her day a little bit easier. So Trying to. Trying to, not doing a great job. Yeah. Um, then we see Mr. Hilliker, the security guard, talking to Luca as his ankle is wrapped up. And he's talking about how he used to be a cop and he never discharged his gun when he was on the force, but these are different times. Uh, Jeremy's mom has arrived. Luca gives her an update on his condition. I think he's up he's up in surgery at this point um, not currently awake and a, another kid that was skateboarding with him points out that the security guard threw his baton at Jeremy causing him to wipe out Burr. and at that at that moment uh, Gallant yells for Kovach because they think Mr. Hilliker may be having a heart attack and he's like hyperventilating in the other room back in the exam room and he's just like they were terrorizing the entire mall like He's very clearly breathless and agitated about something, but just we're getting bits and pieces of what he's trying to say here. Yeesh. And Bro brother's really annoying. Yeah. So the, uh, I'm not, yeah, and I'm not quite sure if it's uh, an 
another kid, like a, a, I think friend it's a friend or a brother, but like it's yeah, another another young male who was with him uh, and because he never gets a name. So I just had to grab him here. Uh, but he is played by actor Dan Bird, who appeared in stuff like uh, Easy A, the TV series is Cougar Town and the show that just won't leave me alone. Young Sheldon, which has come up also- like three weeks in a row. I've unfortunately seen frames of that show because it comes on after AEW Dynamite, but but am I the only one who thinks that the mom here that she looks like discount Marissa Tomei? She definitely, yeah, she definitely had a like this is gonna be somebody look to her, and when I went to go yeah. look her up, I was shocked to find out that like nothing that she had on her IMDb was memorable. So we I have was... Marissa Tomei at home. Yeah, definitely had that look to her. Anyway. uh Go up to go back up. Uh, Corday's talking to Doctor Zagoibi. Yep. Right. Is mm-hmm. that how you pronounce it? Yep. I uh, worked on a patient with her together with her, and apparently he actually wasn't the anesthesiologist. Uh, the on-call anesthesiologist stepped in for him. Uh, one, Mr. Carrie Weaver. Uh, and uh, this is the final appearance of Doctor Zagoibi, uh, who has been with us in one form or another since uh, season, I believe, three. Uh, really yeah he was the he was the doctor who worked on charlie back in the uh the kirsten dunce storyline he's uh which actually they've they have changed his um his practice yeah because like here he's uh an anesthesiologist uh but back in season three he was an optometrist yes so hope somebody got fired people make career changes that's true that's true anesthesiologists make bank so yeah. Ain't mad at you there, Zagoibi. They have the easiest, hardest job ever. Yeah. Just keeping you alive right. on a chemically induced coma. That's exactly. fine. Make you, also, make you as dead as you can be while still being alive. Yeah. They're also some of the nicest medical providers I've ever dealt oh, with. Yeah. They give you the good drugs. <laughs> I love even, them. Not even that. They're just, they're so patient and like, right. they do such a good job explaining everything to you because they're usually one of the last people you see before you're officially in surgery. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they're pretty much yeah the last person you see because they're probably putting the ma- the gas mask on Still. you know, mm-hmm. put love, you to sleep. Love the anesthesiologist. Thank y'all for what you do. Assuming we have like at least one listener. At least one. Uh, we then see Romano uh, talking with Benton, asking him why he's uh, so out of sorts, and uh, we find out that Benton still hasn't tracked down Jackie. Hmm. More to come on that. Uh, Benton then goes over to talk to Jeremy's mom. Uh, he's in with neurology now uh, due to uh, swelling in the brain. And it's just a waiting game at this point to see if he wakes up. Ugh. Fun times. And Gallant is following Green around asking him, what What's the most unusual patient you've had, Dr. Green? Huh? I, I did not get what this was just because, like, there was just a lot happening there. He's just he just wants to know stuff. Uh, Mark asked Susan to save him, and uh, Susan's like they grew up to become residents like Carter. And Mark asked Susan if she and Carter are uh doing the hanky panky dance. I would say involved, but still <laughs> doing the romance dance. Yes, exactly. Um, and Gallant is like, oh, you don't mind me asking all these questions to you and mark is like oh yeah no of course not this is a teaching hospital that's how you learn <laughs> uh, making the best of an annoying situation that's been that's been my whole whole week in one it's your whole life no but that specifically has been my work week 
Uh, but then Carter tells Susan, Gamma has Schreidrager sim- syndrome, I believe, or disease. But Schreidrager, uh, she offers him some support while this is going on. She's like, oh, shit, that sucks. I'm sorry. And then Mark throws Gallant at Carter because he's like, take your fucking kid. I'm done. Uh, Gallant gets him up to speed and Carter immediately dodges him to go into the bathroom. Abby offers, Abby then offers to find Gallant a case because obviously he's just getting shuffled around from one person to another. See if he can take a patient history. Yeah. And then Lizzie apologizes to Kit for her behavior earlier and we learn, and she has Kit look at some of her charts and she's like, I'm trying to find something here. Did you guys do this? I see that the central line got pulled and I didn't do it. And it turns out Babcock pulled the central line from another patient that she had had pass away. Spooky. No, I was about to do the sports line. It's not happening. (laughs) I can't not do it. No, that's just what my brain goes to. But, uh, that's how it should go. But my brain goes, and I can't, it's just the spooky noise in my head now. But, uh, then we go to Gallant working on, uh, taking history of a woman with some spots and seeing if we can get her taken care of. And her his, her husband gave her penicillin that he had left over from an ear infection for a bug she had. And Gallant gives them the rigmarole about not sharing your medications and how he shouldn't have leftovers anyway because you're supposed to finish your antibiotics, you dumbass. Finish your antibiotics, people. And don't share them. Uh, but it turns out the spots are from the medication, and he uses the super fancy name for what's going on. But, um... Yeah, so he's like, I'll get you set up with something that'll take those away. You'll be fine. And the woman says to her husband, thank you, Dr. Kevorkian. Which, <laughs> how timely with our what our, what we talked about last right? week. Yeah. Also, I learned he was a Michigan native and practiced in Michigan for most of the time and was convicted in Michigan. Well, says a lot about you. The more you know. My state produces great wonders. <laughs> And the husband here is played by actor Mr. Uh, Mr. Reynolds. The husband is played by actor Jack Wallace, who appeared in stuff like Death Wish, The Boy Next Door, and Nixon. Uh, he had 108 credits to his name and unfortunately did pass away in 2020, so just a couple years ago. But a wo- young woman next in the... I almost said like the stall. Like in Cur- the, next in curtain. the curtain, curtain area next to the older, the older couple tells... Uh, Tells Gallant, hey, maybe get a CBC on her and she, ask her if she has unusual bleeding when she's brushing her teeth. And it turns out she's a second-year metal student. Uh, second-year metal student. Second-year med student. Hello. Hi. My name is Elizabeth. Um, <laughs> uh, and tattles on him to Carter. It's like, oh, yeah, no, he's going to kill your patient. That's fine. Yeah, she just wants. She thinks she has the flu. She's feeling pretty run down. She just wants to get some Tamiflu or something. Because she's getting her law degree and her medical degree at the exact same time. Jesus fucking Christ. Holy shit. And uh, the med student here, Grace, uh, she is played by actress Bellamy Young, who appeared in uh, stuff like the TV series Scandal and the movies Mission Impossible 3 and We Were Soldiers. I keep thinking I've seen her in something else, but then I realized, no, I've just seen her here. I've just seen this episode a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Gallant asks Nicole for a CT, uh, not realizing that she's not a nurse. Uh, can't imagine how he got that mixed up with all the nurse type stuff she's been doing today. Um, 
they're suspecting that Mr. Hilliker uh, probably just had an anxiety attack, so they go into the suture room for some saline to uh, uh, proceed. And um, this is where th- this is the whole content warning here, gang. This is <laughs> this is the big how, thing. How did I forget this for four days between when I took notes and when we started recording today, guys? Ooh. What's wrong with me? Yeah. So they go into the suture room, and we find Mr. Hilliker hanging from the ceiling by his belt, and it is like. You, now, this is not the first time you hear the noises. Right. This is like, this is not the gagging. first time that they have depicted attempted suicide on the show or like addressed suicide on the show or even hanging necessarily. But usually when they do, it's always implied. Like Yeah, they never show Like they you. might show you the slightest little bit of a foot in the foreground or something. Something to let and like all the people are looking up. Like they might give you some sort of visual cue that this happened. They full view show him hanging from the ceiling, and it's whew, it is uh, not great. Um, it's triggering as fuck. Yeah. So, Gallant springs into action, uh, goes to cut him down, breaks a window on one of the cabinets, the locked cabinets, to get a, a scalpel out to to cut him down. It does beg the question though of like what because he has to then go get a gurney to. Get up on to cut the thing. Why didn't he just have the dude stand on the gurney to relieve the pressure? <laughs> that was the whole thing. Jen and I were watching this. Maybe because he thought the dude wouldn't do it. Maybe. But, like, it. Jen and I were watching the episode together, and Jen was like, get the gurney first, idiot. Like, she was just, like, totally backseat driving uh, Gallant's. Uh, I, also cannot, I also can't imagine that this is something that he's seen before. Sure. He's panicking. So he might not be thinking straight. Right. Uh, but yeah, he cuts him down. Uh, it is a very good performance uh, from Sharif Atkins here. Uh, you know, it's it's an excellent, you know, really just throwing a guy right into the fire uh, on his first episode. Like, he really has to pull all the dramatic punches uh, on just the first. Uh, the yelling for help and everything. Yeah, the, so the, the yelling for help and all that stuff. Like, it's, it's, it's all very well done. Like, and it's an excellent, like, first example or, like, all right, like this is your first episode out the door. Let's see what you can do. So, uh, but we then see uh, Carter looking through the door before walking in to see Gamma, uh, and she's eager for him to just get to the point. Uh, he explains what Scheidrager syndrome is and uh, puts her at greater risk for heart attacks and strokes. And uh, the prognosis is not great. Most people affected with it are uh, dead within ten years. So. Uh, and I'm going to flip us over to a great moment of physical acting here. Abby's outside having a smoke and she hears someone crying just around the corner of the ambulance. She peeks around, realizes it's Nicole and is like, oh shit. And she like, looks like she's going to walk away and then begrudgingly walks back to go and talk to her. And just, just great moment of physical performance by Mora. Cause it's, it's just such a, it's such an encapsulating moment. We've all been there. Um, but Abby, trying to be comforting, says, oh, every once in a while someone tries to off themselves in the hospital, but I wish they'd just do it at home. Which, again, uh, watch this episode with Jen, uh, Nurse Jen, and she was like, I kind of blanched at that line. Like, I was sort of like, Jesus, Abby. And and Jen sort of looked at me sheepishly and was like, oh, that's kind of accurate like she's like that's kind of how how most medical people you know she's like it's sort of one of those examples of you know kind of numb medical person dialogue 
<sighs> but at which point we learned that Nicole's dad hung himself when she was eight and she was the one who found him. And because she was so young, she obviously couldn't get him down. Uh, but she doesn't think she can keep it up in the ER. It's too much. It's too stressful. Um, just like she really admires Abby and she's like, you probably think I'm stupid that I'm crying. And Abby says, no, we've all cried. Sometimes it's the only thing you can do. All right, and let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Corday tells Mark her theory on Mr. Carrie Weaver. I went through my charts again, and I found another commonality to every one of my post-op infection mortalities. What am I looking for? I highlighted his name. Babcock? Yeah, he was in every case. I only missed it before because he stepped in for Dr. Zagoyby, whose handwriting is illegible. Sounds like Dr. Babcock is going to have a date with your friend from the health department. Uh, phone call, Dr. Green. Take a message. He knew I was being investigated. Why didn't he step forward and say something? Maybe he didn't want to be probed or forced to give stool samples. Mark, I'm being serious. Who knows what he's working with in his lab? I'm sorry, Dr. Green, that's Rachel's school. They need for you to pick her up. Is she all right? She got suspended. For what? I don't know. I really don't think that's any of my business. Suspended? There must be some kind of mistake. Probably drug-related. You better go. I'll deal with this. <laughs> Probably drug-related. I love Frank uh, so much. I really don't think that's any of my business. <laughs> right. To, it's the Of all the things to draw the line it's the, on, Frank draws it on student confidentiality. It's the one-two punch where he goes, it's probably none of my business, and then immediately follows it up with probably drug-related. Yeah, it's probably. <laughs> I mean, Rachel. I mean, he's not He's not entirely wrong. Uh, he's not off base. He's not, he's not that far off base. Uh, but uh, And shout out to the lady in the background with her sweet Game Boy pocket uh, that she is. Uh, uh Color. I'm not even sure. It's very thin. It's very thin. It was. Did they make a yellow pocket? They made one in every color. Like, I don't know. But it was. It's very thin. That's the only thing I was basing it off of. But uh, yeah, just shout out to her in the background. The, the Nintendo I, partnership yeah. continues. But yes, the plot thickens. Whoa! I don't know why I said that. <laughs> Love it. It's great. <laughs> I'm just doing my impression of what Babcock is doing in his lab. Whoa! That's very accurate. Uh but then Luca comes in to check on Mr. Hilliker. They can remove the intubation tube now that his pulse ox is doing better. I want to note they did great makeup with his bruising. Like, as awful yeah. as that is, they really... The attention to detail was really well done. Um, but he apologizes and says for them to please tell Jeremy. Uh, Luca says they have to tell the cops what happened, even though he has a lot of friends on the force. And Gallant tries to comfort him. And then, like, after that, um, we see Galant had clearly talked to him about his life for a while because he shares this with Luca and is like, can we not tell the cops? Like, he's really worried yeah, about maybe, this. Yeah, maybe you have a better understanding of this th- than I did, Lord, because as I was watching this episode, I was very confused by this. Why do they have to tell the cops? Like, why, like, um, why is that a thing that is, like, a required I, that they... I mean, I could understand why why I, it might come up if he just shows up at work with bruising on his neck, but, like... It's not It's not because of that. It's because of him throwing the stick at the kid. Okay. I think. Maybe. Because then, like, he would have, for lack of a better term, yeah, assaulted a minor sure. and, and caused I guess, an injury. I guess just like, the way that it's presented is, like, slightly no. confusing because they make it seem like what he's concerned about them telling the cops about is that he attempted suicide. Hunt... 100% in the moment I thought that, but then as we were talking about it now, I was like, no, it might have been about attacking attacking the kid, air quotes. Fair but. enough. That, 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 I mean, they will, at least have to, they will at least have to tell the state police. Yeah. So, yeah. It, it, that at least so. makes some, some amount of sense, because as I was watching it, I was like, why? Why do they have to tell the cops about this? 
But you're right. It, it could go either way. And the way they frame it here, it, it does seem like they're talking about the attempt. Fair enough. Uh, but uh, we go from there to Carter working with Grace, the uh, med student girl. Uh, she divulges that her parents are only going to pay for med school if she finishes law school. And she's just feeling run down. And she asks him for Halcyon, just one dose. And uh, he gives her... That's a fake drug. <laughs> That's a what? That sounds like a fake no, drug. Hal- it's yeah, not. No. I Halcyon it. is definitely oh. a very real drug. See, I take Trazodone to sleep, so... Cool. Yeah. Uh, and then it's good shit. And then Susan uh, runs into Carter and asks him how his day is going, and he has to uh, alert the DMV to Gamma's condition uh, and that she can't can't be allowed to uh, have a license and drive. Ugh. Aye, aye, aye. Uh, speaking of things that also suck, uh, Grace has fallen over after getting up, and she's totally unconscious. As they go to get her pulse, uh, they roll her sleeve up, and oh look. She has a bunch of, of presumably self-inflicted cuts along her forearm. Rut row. Yeah. I was saying to Lizzie as we were watching this, it felt like the early aughts were when um, self-harm, for lack of a better term, really came into the limelight. Like, I remember there being so many scare stories and, like, news stories about, like, are your kids cutting and stuff like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I just remember, like, out of nowhere, it seemed like it was just a wildfire of all of a sudden everybody was aware this was a thing and it was in all these teen dramas and stuff like this. Yeah, I think a lot mm-hmm. of, like, I think it was, like, a lot of, like, rock bands at that time, too. Like, a lot of, like, the emo-ish, mm-hmm. like, the emo music is starting to come into yep. fashion mm-hmm. at this at this time. Where and it's they, talking about it. Yeah, they talk about a lot of stuff in that in lyrics. And with some bands so but yeah it, it definitely does feel like around late 90s early 2000s like all of the like teen dramas and like mm-hmm. the thing that or the things that i was watching everyone it seemed like had to do a episode about cutting like yeah. there had to there had to be something about it at some point well, it's very serious yeah it is i mean it's of, of all the soapboxes to get up on it's one of the more valid ones you know mm-hmm. i'd much rather they do that than you know some of the other goofy ones like silly bands that's a whole other episode anyway um but yeah so just i was like okay it must be this time of the 2000s that we're doing this but also i just have to say this poor girl like doing a law degree and a med degree at the same time not getting paid for and there's a lot of cuts Mm -hmm. it's Mm. it's all scars on the arm yeah sorry if we're going too much into this for people who are you know sensitive to this but yeah they're on the arm it appears that it's all scars but it's it's her full forearm but let's completely switch gears here. Lizzie has to talk to Romano or asks to talk to Romano, but he's walking in to scrub in and we see that Babcock is already at the sink and turns around in the same room. So she chickens out. She's like, I'd really prefer to talk to you about this privately. We can talk later. Like, and just <laughs> leaves. Cause in like Babcock here has such evil, like just villain vibes. Like when he turns yeah. around, it's like Doctor Evil turning around in his chair. I mean, when you're married to Carrie Weaver. So yeah, and <laughs> if you'll know. recall, if you'll recall from when we talked to Laura Innes, uh, she did mention an episode where she was directing mm-hmm. that he was heavily involved in, and she had to give him a lot of direction that they were fighting. <laughs> <laughs> which makes me wonder if which makes me wonder if that was this episode if they had, like, when she was like we had to go fight in closets and in the yeah they had room. to they had they had to go find a like a, a secluded spot off to the side to have their little argument uh during you know it just 
Makes me wonder. We should have been like, can we get your husband on? Right. Can is he around? Can we just like get his Can we just get his input? Can we just get him for this? But uh Yeah, then we see Benton and Jackie having a chat at Doc's and she says the worst thing you can do is fight it, because yes, this is where we learn he was subpoenaed for a paternity test specifically. And Jackie's like, Well, it's not like you can fail it. Like Reese is totally your like Reese is yours, like it, whatever and Benton was like no Jack uh, Carla said whatever and Jackie was like there's no way it's like okay Jackie sure anyway uh, Corday walks into the lab with some very very dramatic heist music <laughs> this was like this is some of like the most unique music you'll ever hear in the entire so series mm-hmm. um, we see a bunch of rats some gross food in the fridge and of course like any bad heist scene uh babcock catches her in the act and asks her what she's doing and she pretends to be patient oh i have to go sorry (laughs) also like he's an anesthesiologist why does he have rats and blood samples and like a whole pathology fridge he could also be doing medical research too as well i guess but But yeah you can do two things I had the same thought, Lauren. I was like, why does this dude have a whole ass lab? <laughs> like, is my question. I'm not saying like, it makes well, sense. I'm yeah, just saying you can do two things. You can. Yeah. Like a it law just, student it, and a med student. Yeah. Didn't didn't make a ton of sense to me, but who am I? But the ambiance uh, is perfect. Oh, yeah. It's it's excellent, like, uh, you know, ev- like you said, evil supervillain yeah, layer yeah. vibes. Um. But in any event, we go to Susan and Carter talking to Grace, and she uh, admits that she used to cut to deal with stress, uh, but that she is fine now, hasn't hasn't done it in a while. Uh, she says the only people who seemed to care were the doctors and nurses, and uh, she also says that she dealt with an eating disorder as well, and Susan insinuates that her eating disorder may be continuing or you know, is ongoing because Grace says that she hasn't been eating while she's been cramming at school. Uh, and then while she's distracted, talking to Carter, trying to plead her case, Susan shifts her skirt slightly and they see some very, very fresh cuts on her legs. They went all out with the graphic depictions yeah. this episode. Uh, and that's at this point, they say they need some, somebody from psych needs to come down to talk to her or they'll have to admit her against her wishes. And uh, Gallant helps inject uh, some medication to sedate her while Susan and Carter sit with her. And After she ooh, starts to freak out. Yeah, this is not great, Bob. Uh, at least she doesn't fight them. She doesn't like get violent. She just no. kind of crumples and. It's actually. I mean, it's actually a very uh, excellent portrayal on on the actress's part. It's like, very. Of, it's very empathetic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, let's go to another audio clip. Uh, Mark is at school with the recently suspended Rachel. Let's see if it's for drugs. How'd you get another doctor to cover for me? I'm sorry. Scissors, Rachel? It's not like they said. Did you threaten this girl? It was Natalie Curtis, and I threatened to call for dreadlocks, not stab her. Why? She's trying to steal Andrew away from me. She keeps on sending him notes in class and, you know, asking him over to her house to study. This is over a boy. It's no big deal, Dad. Then why aren't you in gym class right now? Maybe because they stopped teaching gym, like, in the 70s. Don't get smart with me, Rachel. This is serious. You've been suspended. Next time, you will be expelled permanently. There won't be a next time. You're right, because now we have a new set of rules. 
Like what? Like no more rides to school unless it's with Elizabeth or me. No more going out on weeknights or weekends for that matter for at least a month. Why don't you just send me to a convent? I would. We need you around the house to do all your chores. I have chores now? Yep. From now on, think of yourself as Cinderella and I'm your evil stepmother. I already got one of those. Keep it up, Rachel. Find yourself back in St. Louis. Why are you doing this to me? <laughs> I don't know, Rachel. Maybe because I love you? Oh, really? Yes, really. Do you know how many messed up teenagers I see day in and day out? Drug addicts, suicides, 10-year-old homeless girls who've been gang raped because nobody gave a damn about them? Well, I give a damn about you. You may not like it now. Hell, you may never like it. This is how it's gonna be. Get in. I hate that the first thing my brain went to is, Mark, if you see so many troubled kids, clearly you recognize one. Get your kid in fucking therapy. Uh, yeah, excellent point. That's my first thing. Second off, uh, have any of you ever had a crush over a boy enough that you'd cut a girl's dreadlocks off? Because I sure haven't. Can't say that I have. Third off, I miss passing. Third off, I miss passing notes in class. That is all. I never did that. I I did. Maybe it's maybe it's because uh, you weren't friends with a bunch of girls. Maybe it's because I didn't have friends. Oh, I'll pass notes with you. We're, we live together. It's fine. <laughs> we'll do it, we'll do it during recording and pass notes across the table. Yeah, it'll be great uh, audio for Daniel to scrub through. Fine, but yeah, just oh uh, Rachel, oh Rachel, and they definitely still teach Jim. You little shit, right? Like, yeah. it's just we called, all had it's to just go called physical. Edu- it's called physical education. You dumbass, you'd know if you uh, went. And I'll let him get into the uh, particulars of everything in his listener response, but uh, this school that they are shooting at was a uh, friend of the show, Aaron's, uh, either middle school or high school. What I can't the remember fuck? which one. But it's this <laughs> small world after all. I'll, oh. I'll let him get into the specifics of it in his listener response. I also love the, you're Cinderella and I'm your evil stepmom. I got one of those. Oh, sick <laughs> burn. Uh, are we good on Trash and Rachel, a teenager who can't argue back? Well, at least it wasn't For now. What? At least it wasn't drugs. Yet. Uh, yeah, then we see true. Cleo visits Reese and Benton up in the daycare, and this is the cutest fucking thing I've ever seen. Um, they're talking just kind of, not hush-hush, but like kind of so Reese can't even try to read lips or anything about the situation. And um, they just say if Benton is not is not a genetic match, it will make it easier for Roger to fight for custody. And she invites them over and is like, you two look tired, you know, Come over. We can have dinner and stuff. I have so, I have some of those fish sticks that Reese likes, and I'm just like, oh my god, so cute, little baby, little baby Reese eating little fish sticks. And um, he Reese, does immediately after that though go into his whole thing about like what the line that you're gonna mention here in a second. Like he goes into that whole thing with his sign language mm-hmm. gestures. But there was part of a like Jen and I were sort of shit posting at this point in the episode where I was like. I don't want to damn fish sticks. Like that's sort of like the that's sort of like the body language that yeah. he gives. It's just like I don't. I hate them damn fish sticks. But yeah, so so Reese is very clearly clearly communicating something to Benton, and Carla's like, "What? What's wrong?" And Benton says, "Oh, he wants his other daddy to come take him home." It's almost like he has two loving, equally qualified great dads that maybe spoilers maybe neither one of them is biologically just. Just co-parent. I'm going to say it every right. time. Just fucking yeah. co-parent. This is the world's most easily avoidable custody battle. 
It's so stupid. It's it, like, bro, with your hectic schedule, you got free babysitting right there. A right? Man, a, a man who loves your kid that you know you can trust, right? who you don't let's, have to pay. Let's not hold glitter against him, okay? Like, he is perfectly capable of being <laughs> a good father. Just because he can't direct a movie doesn't mean he can't be a good dad. Uh, but then, just, just also, just sweet baby Reese. Just got to say it. But then we see Carter sitting on the floor in, I think it's the radiology lab, maybe, um, on the phone with Gamma, telling her she can't drive. And Susan comes in and, you know, Carter puts the phone to his chest and goes, she's been driving for two hours just to prove me wrong. <laughs> oh my God. That's, a, that's a Gamma thing. God damn it, Gamma. Uh, but Susan offers a supportive ear and offers to wait with Carter if he wants. Like, go back to the go back to Gamma's house and wait to make sure she gets home safe. All right. Uh, let's go to our next audio clip here. Uh, Corday pops into Romano's office. Enter! Ah, I was just about to page you. Have a seat. So, Elizabeth... Dr. Babcock says that you were trespassing in his office and his research area. Care to elaborate? I wanted to talk to him. You knew I was in surgery. He's worked on every one of my cases that died from a post-operative infection. Is this true? Yes, it's true, and I have evidence to prove it. So what? So, you have made it abundantly clear on more than one occasion that you are not opposed to euthanasia. Can't imagine a humane doctor who is. I have four bodies in the morgue. That's not my fault. You need to take responsibility for your own gross misjudgment. Time out. This is a load of crap. You allow her to operate on these elderly lost souls who should never be in surgery, and then when they die, which they inevitably will, she comes crying to you looking for someone to blame. They didn't die from surgery. They died from the same post-op infection. The key word there being post-op. Okay. If you hadn't operated on them, they'd be alive. Okay, enough. This whole thing has gotten out of hand. The health department has yet to conclude its investigation, so until they do, neither one of you is in the OR. Happy? No. That's not a solution. It works for me. I'm not doing another case with her. No, you certainly aren't. Get out, both of you. You're giving me a headache. Go. God is love. <laughs> oh, that line <laughs> kills the, me. The start and the finish of that. Yeah. Perfect. Enter. Enter. <laughs> God is love. God is love. I completely forgot about the God is love part. Oh, I did too. And it made me laugh out loud when I watched the episode mm-hmm. and then I forgot about it. And it just made me laugh out loud again. Oh my God. We don't, des- we don't deserve Paul. McCoy. I choose to believe that that was directly a Laura in his uh, direction. Like I, I, I choose to believe that she was like, say God is love when, or, when they leave the room. or even better. They had done just a few takes of this and he decided he was going to try and make her crack. <laughs> and he just ad-libbed it at the end because that's such an out-of-place line right it's, just it's so like, stupid but it's still something he would mockingly it's, say it's absolutely something he would say but i have i say to... i say stupid shit like that to people at work all the time i say like despite being not religious in any way whatsoever much less catholic i will always like when people peace, peace be with come, you yes when people come get stuff from my desk or ask me for things i will hand it to them and say peace be with you and uh, like, <laughs> can, can we start incorporating God as love into the collab chat, please? <laughs> Anytime I'm pissed about you guys doing a bit, uh, just God is love. God is um, love. Oh, yeah. Just I have to think he ad-libbed that. 
It's so And the good. delivery of the enter. Like, forget the body of this thing. Let's just talk about the beginning and the end. <laughs> right? The enter is just so bizarre. Enter. Like, the gusto. But yeah, okay. So also, Babcock, you fucking creep. Basically like, admits these, to it. These lost souls. Yeah. Like, it's so weird because, like, they are sort of gonna just drop this. And and we only have yeah. one more appearance of Mr. Carrie uh, Weaver. We only have one more appearance of him, and then he's gone forever. And it's just so weird. Like it's such a bizarre thing. Apprentice. Such a such a bizarre hard right turn to take with this character who, up until now, no shade to the actor, up until now has not mattered in the slightest. Like he's just been a familiar you know, face. Yeah, like it's. Really, it would be like taking one of the background nurses from downstairs and you know making them into a, a murderer. Like it's just a really bizarre right, hard right turn to take. Uh, but in any event, uh, we start to wrap up here. We see Gallant say that he's going to stay and study, even though Carter's already left. All right, now you're trying a little too hard there. No, Michael. Like, no, he's just, not. Just he, no, he's little, not. You're laying it on a little thick. No, he's not. Because of why he's not. I know. He goes to sit with Grace so that they can study together. I, I did have that moment, though, where I was like, fucking really? And then I saw it. And I was like, oh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, no, I know. It, I just I had to give him a little shit first. Um, and as somebody points out in the listener responses, I don't remember if it's one of the ones I grabbed or not, but uh, it you could have, there could have e- very easily been a way for you to find a, a way to make Grace stick around as a med student. Like, I feel like they these two did have a nice uh, or, back and forth rapport. Or even just like, you know, even if she wasn't an intern or anything at the hospital, her coming by on his shifts to like study together and stuff. Yeah. She could have been a nice through line somehow. Yeah. But it was not to be. Uh, and then we see Benton going in for his DNA test. Uh, and then we round out the episode with one more audio clip. Uh, Carter and Susan are hanging out at Gamma's house. I can't believe it. I didn't believe it either. Fentanyl. If you're going to abuse drugs, abuse a good one. Wow. I've been clean and sober for over a year. If you got it out of your system. I wouldn't say that. What? Nothing. Disappointed in me? No, no. I'm just... You were stabbed. Twice. I don't recommend it. <laughs> Can I see your scar? What? Show me your scar. No. Why not? Why? Don't be bashful. Get your own. <laughs> <laughs> uh, why do I feel like a school kid sitting out here? Must be the adolescent sexual tension. Mm. <laughs> That's it. You know I used to have a crush on you. Used to? It's all coming back to me now. <laughs> I used to have a crush on you, too. Liar. I did. You were cute. Real cute, but... But? Well, you were a med student, and I was a resident. I'm a resident now. Chief resident. That's right. Glad you came back. (laughs) Me too. 
Gam's home. Okay, that was a cursed audio clip for Daniel. But first off, I just, I love when, when she's like, don't be bashful, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, get your own. Like, that's just such a me way to respond to somebody trying to flirt with me. Just be like, get your get, own. Like, Get your own stab wound. Just uh, so Daniel. Don't. Yeah, Daniel, you go first. As the I, dissenting you know, opinion. Yeah. I, trust me. Maybe I'm the dissenting opinion in this room, but not in the world. Okay? I know. Like, uh, you know, I just, again. Why? Like, we're just prolonging the inevitable, for one thing. And, like, I I go back to what I said last week or maybe week before. I don't remember. That I don't understand why, A, I don't understand why Nicole exists at all. And, B, I don't understand why we never even for a second explored Susan and Luca as an option. Like, that to me seems like a no-brainer. And then it and then it removes the need for Nicole as a character at all, which would make everybody happy. And this just is, like, so dumb because everybody knows this isn't going to last. So, like, why are we why are we going to waste everyone's time to just end up right back where we knew we were going to be at the beginning of the season, at the end of the season? Just, it's, bleh. It's just dumb. to make you angry. Whereas I think these two, these two actors have a whole hell of a lot of chemistry. And... I think they're absolutely adorable and the mm-hmm. way Su- and the way Susan's like voice kind of changes. Well, I had a crush on you. Yeah, it's ah, it's just it's it's this cute. Is, it's adorable. This, it's not like a it's not like a hot passionate romance. No. It's, it's it's a cute it's yeah. it's cute. Yeah, it's and harmless. I and I'm fine I would be fine with it as like a uh, you know, drunk at the Christmas party, you know, they maybe they they kiss under the mistletoe kind of like stinger at the end of an episode kind of thing, which is essentially what they did the fir- first time around. Like the the two of them had like a little like brief flirtation when he was a student. That's about the extent of what I'm willing to sign up for because anything more than that and I'm just like for one thing, I still I know you guys have said that you don't care, but like I still can't get past the uh age/professional dynamic gap there like there's just it's weird and i feel like if the genders were reversed it would be even weirder and people would have a way bigger problem with it but they it's fine i know i'm in the minority on that but like it's just i don't know the whole thing is just like eh. well it's eh. just funny because normally i'm the one puking about like super sweet corny shit and this one i'm just like yay <laughs> like the whole time lizzie and i were watching we were both just like doing the little happy hands just yay and then we were like, Daniel's going to hate yeah. this. Oh, I did. Oh, as I was watching it, I, <laughs> Jen was like, Jen had her laptop and was like half looking at what she was doing and half paying attention to the episode. And this, this scene started up in the music. It was really when the music, the music's what does it. And it started to swell. And I went, Oh fuck. And yeah. she just looks up and it goes, what? Like what's happening? And I was like, this, it's just, I can't, I cannot. It's, I think if the music hadn't like, I love Martin. He's doing what he's getting paid to do. But I feel like if they hadn't done this music cue, it might have been a little bit more, like, bearable, for lack of a better term. It wouldn't have been yeah. quite so, like, oh, my God. Yeah. Whereas I like the music, too. I I, I know, but you I also like, like you also liked Union Station, so. That's fair. Susan. <laughs> um, that's. Liz, Lizzie's our full-blown romantic out of the three of us. You know, who would have guessed? Um, but this episode overall... I hate a lot of the things in it just because they're <laughs> triggering as fuck, but really they're really upsetting. well done. So I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Yeah. It's- I think that's fair. I think, I think you can chalk up, you know, I, I mean, or I'm going to choose to chalk up 
everything that I like about this episode to Laura Innes's direction. Like I'm a hundred percent, you know, she is, there's no, uh, there is no question. I think why, like she's still a director nowadays. Like she still gets asked to direct, you know, TV and movies and stuff today because she's fucking good at it. Like, and Mm -hmm. she, you know, she can bring an interesting perspective to things. And, you know, so the stuff that I like about this episode, I, I choose to, attribute a hundred percent to her and really the things that i dislike about this episode like lizzie said are, are because they're upsetting not because they're poorly done yeah and you know and then there's the stuff at the end that i'm just sort of like yeah i just sort of dislike on substance it has nothing to do with the fact that it's not well told or well shot or you know anything like that so the like thing very I really dislike is the babcock stuff but oh i right. love it it's so which good. is i like it from a like over the top perspective but i do so i i hate that they sort of got cold feet on it like i hate that they sort of like drop it after this and yeah. i i wanted them to like see it through like i really wanted him to like get hauled off in handcuffs like you know just like kicking and screaming the whole like let's just take let's just get weird with it if we're gonna get rid of this character let's just get weird with it take it a little further yeah, very solid episode that I'll never intend to watch again. Um, yeah, it's it's definitely one rewatch, and I forget. Oh God, this happens this episode. Right, it's definitely one that I would like to like flag for myself. Is just like, yeah, maybe don't rewatch this one if you if you don't have to. Indeed. What the listeners think about it, though, Lauren? Uh, first off, we have Katie B says, "So happy to see Gallant. He is seriously so underrated. One of my favorites." I feel so bad for Corday in these episodes. I really wish they could have given her more happiness this season. I love the medical student that was a patient. I wish they would have allowed her to be matched at county. Way better chemistry with the cast than way better chemistry with the cast than other medical students they get later on. Her and Michael could have been a cute couple or even just good as friends. I feel like she really pushed him to learn and be the best he could be even in just one episode. And then Rachel Definitely my vote for worst kid. <laughs> uh, Haley Kay says, My son Michael Gallant has arrived. I'm so excited for this story. Seeing Bellamy Young in, the, in this episode was such a treat. She acts stuff like this so well. The stuff with Corday and Mr. Carrie Weaver is so crazy and good. Like, I really enjoyed the story that they had going on. Soph says, The episode of Gamma and Gallant. I still haven't seen all the Gallant episodes yet, but as a med student, I like his character. I wish they would go more in-depth like they did with Lucy, though. Watching Carter's MD, JD patient slowly start to lose her grip on reality due to the immense stress was the perfect way to kick me in the soul. And to add to the sad, the continuation of Corday's whole Patients Keep Dying plot very much reminded me of what they did with Bailey on Grey's, but so glad they didn't go totally that route. Also, can someone explain to me why Mr. Carrie Weaver shows up in a few later episodes? Like, sir, you're literally killing patients and just about admits it too. Anyway, at least the ending shot with the credits gave me a chuckle. Alright, at the full-time dad says, Michael the Archangel Gallant, reporting for duty. Contrary to many of my fellow fandom friends, I love Michael's character. He's sincere, earnest, and you can tell he cares about the people he serves and his colleagues. His fatal flaw? He doesn't have a ton of drama. Not great for TV, but let's be honest, in real life we'd all love to have one drama-free friend. Back to the episode. (laughs) I've always loved Bellamy Young's guest turn on the show. She seems to have it all together, and you gradually begin to see that she's in trouble, and behind the veneer, she's crumbling. 
I was really impressed with how Michael and Carter handled the situation. In fact, this was one of the old Carter episodes, where his care for his grandmother and his connection with Grace showcased the empathy that makes him such a fan favorite. Well, until his I'm a resident now line to Susan, which might as well which might as well have been Carter's way of saying, wait till you see my dick. Shout out to Yin Yang twins. Uh, and it was also nice to see my old middle school, John Burroughs, play a prominent role in this episode. I remember my mother and I talking one day during my freshman year at USC. She mentioned ER had done some filming there. Sure enough, this was the episode. As Mark picks up Wayward Rachel, who's been suspended, are we not surprised? The facade of my school was also famously used in Family Matters and several other shows in the 80s and 90s. Finally, we're reaching the denouement of my favorite character arc, Peter, and seeing that he's finally coming face to face with the moment he silently dreaded for two plus years, finding out if Reese is biologically his son. As a father myself, I can't imagine living with that hanging over me like the sword of Damocles, but also realizing that no test will tell me if I'm the father of my children. Being a father is much more than blood, and I'm glad Peter realizes that. It only makes fighting for Reese that much easier. Um, just one more time, uh, I'm going to. We'll get. I'll get back to your regularly scheduled plugs next week. But this episode obviously dealt a lot with suicide and self harm, and as someone who has a lot of experience and with that, both with myself and people around me. If you know someone with depression, you probably do know someone with depression. It's a very, very common, especially this time of year in the wintertime months. But just just talk to people. If someone feel, seems like they're feeling off or if they're seeming more withdrawn, just just talk to them. Reach out. Let, them, let people know that they're not alone. Um, I don't have the number. I don't have the number for the suicide hotline off the top of my head. But if you yourself are feeling bad just don't be afraid just to reach out to a friend a family member anyone lauren what's that number 988 you just dialed 988 988. oh i didn't realize it was uh they they made it into a three-digit number it is 988 now oh cool for the suicide and crisis lifeline well i thought that's in the that's in the u.s we should point out yes yes yes. i thought that was a whole 800 number it used to be it used to be and then they simplified it i think pretty recently like within the last year or two but still, hey, even easier. If you don't have anyone in your life that you can talk to, there's always someone on that hotline that you can talk to, even just for a little bit. Any little bit helps. We really appreciate you. We love you. We want to see you around. We want to see you happy. We want to see you healthy. And we want to see your loved ones happy and healthy. Yes. Please take care of yourselves. And we will see you next week. Bye.